we are going to read from Revelation chapter 8. So um, if you have a Bible, you can grab it or turn it on um, or follow along with us. So Revelation chapter 8. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people on the golden altar in front of the throne. The smoke of the incense together with the prayers of God's people went up before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar and hurled it on the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Then the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to sound them. The first angel sounded his trumpets, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood, and it was hurled down on the earth. A third of the earth was burned up, a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. The second angel sounded his trumpet, and something like a huge mountain, all ablaze, was thrown into the sea. A third of the sea turned into blood, a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel sounded his trumpet, and a great star, blazing like a torch, fell from the sky on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters turned bitter, and many people died from the waters that had become bitter. The fourth angel sounded his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them turned dark. A third of the day was without light, and also a third of the night. As I watched, I heard an eagle that was flying in midair call out in a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the trumpet blasts about to be sounded by the other three angels. Gary's going to come now and preach to us. Well, thank you, Sarah. Good morning. Good morning. It's great to see you. And well done for getting here at the right time. Um, yeah, I'm still trying to work out whether I missed an hour in bed or gained an hour in bed not quite sure. I feel like I missed it. I don't know, but I'm looking on the bright side because at least the clock in my car is now telling the right time again. Um, and also because we have two services, if anybody does turn up at half ten, well, they'll not be an hour late for this service. They'll just be an hour late for the next service so they won't miss church. So that's wonderful, isn't it? Great. Good. So thank you, Sarah, for leading us uh, and Glenn. And um, we're continuing on in our future proof series reading in, in Revelation. Uh, and we've already seen, as we've traveled together, we've seen that picture at the beginning of the glorious Christ. It is a revelation that is given to John by God revealing Christ. We've seen how uh, God, Jesus has been walking amongst his churches. We've seen the worship of heaven and earth. We've seen the defeat of evil. Uh, and now we've seen, as the Lamb opened the scroll and history was on on. on, on, on Unpacked. We've seen how he defeated evil, and now uh, we've, we've looked at um, the word, last word on the church. We've looked at the last word on worship, the last word on evil, and now we're looking this morning at the last word on prayer. And there are many different ways of approaching the subject of prayer. Uh, 
the story is told of one man who was uh, applied for a job. He was going for a job interview. It was a job that he really, really wanted, uh, and he got ready. He went down to the office that he was uh, to have the interview in, and he couldn't get parked. And he drove round and round and round the block, and he was getting later and later, and he really wanted this job interview. And in a fit of desperation, he said, Lord, he prayed, Lord, if you give me a parking space, I'll go to church every Sunday. I'll tithe a tenth of my salary, and I'll volunteer in the soup kitchen two days a week. Uh, and he drove round the corner, straight into a parking, a parking space, and he said, it's okay, Lord, I found one myself. <laughs> now, that's probably not the right approach to prayer. But we're going to be looking at, at prayer this morning. And um, whatever our approach is to prayer, folks, prayer is vital. Prayer is vital. Some folks have, you know, theologians have said prayer is like the oxygen for a Christian. Prayer is like oxygen for a Christian. And I'm a minister, so I, you would expect me to tell you that, you know, to pray. It's a wee bit like your granny telling you to eat up your greens, isn't it? That we should pray. We should pray, but look at this wonderful revelation that has been given to St. John. There is in Christ, amongst His churches, the worship of heaven, the defeat of evil, the judging of the world, and making everything new, this wonderful revelation that has been given to St. John. And I wonder, did you notice yet that the whole of the revelation was given to John when he was in prayer, during a time of prayer? And, and, and it says, John says in Revelation 1 at the very start of the book, on the Lord's day I was in the Spirit. And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet which said, write on a scroll what you see. At the very start of the book in chapter 1, John is in the Spirit. He is in prayer. And when we get to the end of the book in chapter 22, in intercession praying, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. John is still in prayer. The whole book of Revelation is given to John during a time of prayer. And if we got nothing else today, surely that would underline to us the importance of being in prayer. And whilst we won't receive another book of Revelation for the canon of Scripture is closed, nevertheless, during times of prayer, God will certainly reveal His will, His word, His ways, His love, His grace and truth, Himself, Himself. You see, at the opening of the book of Revelation, John describes himself as being under two conditions. He is on the island of Patmos, and he is in the Spirit on the Lord's day. He was in exile on the island of Patmos. He'd been sent there by the persecuting Roman authorities in exile, physically cut off from his church, cut off from his family, cut off from his friends, cut off from his people, cut off from his place. Somebody else told him where he could go and what he could do. John was physically powerless, physically powerless. And I think we've all experienced a little glimpse, a little taste of what it's like to be physically powerless, uh, uh, to be in a degree of isolation or powerlessness during lockdown, and for some people, perhaps still going through a time of powerlessness and, and isolation. But the same time that he was practically powerless and cut off, he was also in the Spirit. In prayer, he was connected with God, and he was connected with the greatest source of power in the universe. Physically disconnected and powerless, but in prayer, spiritually connected and filled with the presence and the power of the living God. 
You see, prayer shakes the earth and literally changes the world, but it also brings us into direct, personal, intimate contact with God. You see, a plethora of, of, of gods of Athens and Rome were vying for the worship of the first century inhabitants of the Mediterranean area. But the Christians committed themselves to the living God, and it changed their lives, and it changed the world. And when he was in exile, but in the Spirit, it is then that John realizes the truth of the matter. John can do nothing, but God can do anything. But you see, John did not come to this wonderful realization by sitting around twiddling his thumbs. No, he came to it by being attentive, by being focused, by being open and in a posture of prayer before the living God. God's people pray, John prays, Revelation 1.10, where he starts in the Spirit, right through to Revelation 22.21, where he's still praying in intercession. John prays, and he's brought into the presence of God, and he's given the revelation. And the church prays. We see here in Revelation 6, 9 to 11. Because before he mentions it again here in chapter 8, John's last explicit reference to prayer was in chapter 6 when the Lamb opened the, the fifth seal of the scroll. John saw under the altar that is in heaven. John saw the souls of Christians who had been martyred for their faith in Christ. And he says they cried out in a loud voice. How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, will you judge until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? And each of them, it says, was given a white robe and they were told to wait a little longer until the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed as they were. They were crying out to God in prayer. The church was being mercilessly persecuted, imprisoned, tortured, murdered for their faith, going through the most difficult time imaginable. They had no weapons and no votes. They had no status and no wealth. So what did they do? They prayed. They prayed. God's suffering people were calling out in prayer. How long, sovereign Lord? They were crying out to him in prayer. God's people pray and God hears. God hears. <clears throat> you see, following on from, from that scene of his people crying out to him in prayer, it later tells us at the beginning of chapter 8 that Sarah just read for us. That speaking of Jesus the Lamb, it says, when he opened the seventh seal, he was opening the seals on the scroll, and when he opens the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Now, what do you suppose was happening when there was silence in heaven? Well, I think that God was listening. I think that God was listening to the prayers of his people. God's people pray. It, it, it tells us here in Revelation 8, the smoke of the incense together with the prayers of God's people went up before God. You see, in the midst of the most terrible suffering, God's people pray. Their prayer comes up before him. Heaven falls silent. And God listens to their prayers. It's amazing to think that when God's people pray, heaven falls silent to listen to our prayers. 
Folks, we live in a noisy world. Telephones ringing, pinging, bleeping. Engines roaring. Drills boring, airplanes soaring, rain pouring, people snoring. Doors banging, dogs barking, TVs blaring, music blasting. Oh, and fireworks just about everywhere. <laughs> we live in a noisy world. There's noise morning, noon, and night. We find it difficult even to be quiet ourselves. I went on a silent retreat at a monastery one time, and I nearly got excommunicated by the monks for speaking to somebody in the kitchen. It wasn't easy. They're sociable. We find it easier to speak than to listen. Not so God. God speaks, yes, He speaks, for He is the God of revelation. But God also listens. And it tells us here in Revelation chapter 8, at verse 3, it says, the prayers of all God's people, it just struck me, I love it. The prayers of all God's people went up before him. He listens to the prayers of all his people, not just the holy Joes, the ped professionals, and the ones who seem to have it all together. The prayers of all God's people, his word says, went up before him. And that includes your prayers and mine. It does. The fact that God's listen, God listens is perhaps even more amazing than the fact that He speaks because here on earth we find plenty of people who are willing to speak to us or to just speak at us. It's harder to find someone who will really listen, willing to listen, but God listens. And when we find someone who listens, we find dignity, we find value and Think of the dignity and the value that God is bestowing on you this morning as he simply listens. I still marvel at this idea that God hushes heaven to listen to the prayers of his people. Picture the scene with me for a moment. God is on the throne of heaven. He's surrounded by a thunderous worship of angels and archangels, of, of harps and trumpets, and all the company of heaven, all the church in heaven. And then you and I, we bow. We bow in prayer. In our bedroom or in our church. And God sees us. And he stretches out a hand across heaven and he says, he says, angels, be quiet. Elders, hush. Hold the hallelujahs. Silence the trumpets. For Dorothy is praying. Billy is praying. And I am listening. El Shema. You see, El Shema is one of the Hebrew names used to describe God in the Old Testament. And in English, El Shema means simply God hears. El Shema. God is called, God hears. It's one of his names. And you see, God's people have always known that God hears our prayers. In the Old Testament, Psalm 66, David says, God has surely listened and has heard my prayer. To Peter, in his first letter, writing, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are attentive to their prayers. Folks, not one single word of prayer that you have ever uttered has gone unheard by the God of heaven and earth. 
the exuberant prayer of adoration, the humble prayer of confession, the grateful prayer of thanks, the pleading prayer of petition. Every single word that you have ever prayed in Jesus' name has been heard by the living God. Heaven is a thunder of worship and praise and God calls it the silence to listen to his people's prayer. Each and every one has been heard carefully, accurately, attentively by our Father who art in heaven. And we see that God's people pray, God hears and then God acts. God acts. You see, on the back of the prayers of his people and out of the silence of his listening, God springs forth into action. Chapter 8, verse 3, an angel appears before the altar of heaven with a censer. Now, a censer is a container used for burning incense. In the Old Testament worship in the temple, there were huge censers and the incense rising from the censers of the altar in the temple. It represented the prayers of God's people rising to the altar of his temple in heaven. And here the angel mixed the prayers of God's people that had ascended to heaven. The angel mixed the prayers of God's people with incense and and he combined them with fire from the altar. That fire represents the Spirit of God. Then the angel took the censer filled with fire from the altar and hurled it on the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning and earthquakes. You see, the prayers of God's people are prayers. The prayers of God's people which had arisen quite unremarkably and unreported by the world's media now return to heaven with a bang and with an impact that absolutely no one can miss. The prayers of God's people re-enter history with immeasurable effect. The whole earth is literally shaken by them. The picture in Revelation ought to convince us of the potency and power of prayer. How long, O sovereign Lord, God's suffering people had cried out, How long? Well, now their waiting is over. Now their prayers are about to be answered. Now is the time for judgment to be carried out on those who opposed God, who oppressed and murdered his people. For John tells us here in in verse 6, the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to sound them. The first angel sounded his trumpet. You see, the trumpet in the Bible, when it is sounded, it is always sounded to get attention, to get attention, to get our attention to make us sit up and to listen. That is a wake-up call. The trumpet always announces that something significant is about to happen. And it's often used as a wake-up call to get us to choose between one of two possibilities that are up ahead. You see, as they entered the promised land, the people of Israel came to the sinful city of Jericho. And at Jericho, the Israelites marched around that godless city before blowing trumpets to announce judgment on it and its walls fell and its unrepentant people were destroyed. Joshua 6 records it for us. The Israelites on the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day they circled the city seven times, the seventh time around when the priests sounded the trumpet. 
Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city, and the city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Now, to be devoted to the Lord means to be completely given over, completely destroyed. The inhabitants of Jericho, you see, had seven days notice. They had seven days to repent of their sin, and they did not. And on the seventh day, the trumpet call at Jericho announced judgment on them. Judgment, that is one aspect of what is happening here in Revelation 8 and 9. Each successive trumpet call is, is, is followed by an element of destruction in judgment, but also by another call to repentance, another chance, another opportunity for the people of the world to avoid judgment. There are seven trumpets, seven chances. God is not impetuous or graceless or quick-tempered. No. Psalm 103, there's a little verse in there that kind of just sums up the whole message of the Bible, and it says this. God is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. Abounding in love. Seven chances to accept God's compassion and grace. And yet people, people are stubborn. It tells us in Revelation 9 and, and verse 20, after the sounding of the sixth trumpet, the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of, their work, of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshipping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, their sexual immorality, or their thefts. You see, with every trumpet call, there is a call to repentance followed by further judgment. And this is how it will be at the end times. And note that as judgment is carried out with these first three trumpet blasts, the earth, the sea, and the sky are all afflicted. There is no hiding place for the unrepentant sinner, the stubborn sinner, to hide from God's coming judgment, the judgment of an almighty, righteous, and holy God. There's nowhere to hide if we refuse to repent, to turn to Jesus, to seek our refuge in him to receive the forgiveness which he has purchased for us at Calvary's tree and offers to us full and free by his grace. If you haven't turned to him yet, today hear the trumpet call. Hear the trumpet call. Hear the wake-up call. Turn to him. Do it right away. If you're in the building, do it and come let us pray with you. We want to help one another on these journeys, on this journey of life. We want to pray with you. We have information, we have literature we can help you with. Invite you along to those new members' classes as we get to know one another. Speak with me. Let us connect you in. And then, you see, then, for those of us who have turned to Jesus in humble repentance and for those of us who have received his freely offered mercy and grace, then for us the trumpet call means something entirely different altogether. You see, the trumpet call for us will mean not the announcement of judgment, but the announcement of jubilee. Jubilee. You see, the trumpet call in the Bible is used to announce two things. It's either judgment or it's jubilee. Listen, the Lord speaking to Moses in the book of Leviticus, chapter 25. He says this. He says, count seven Sabbath years, seven times seven years, so that the seven Sabbath years amount to a period of 49 years. Then sound the trumpet. 
everywhere on the tenth day of the seventh month, on the day of atonement, sound the trumpet throughout your land. Consecrate the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. You see, the year of Jubilee was a year every 50 years when captives were set free, when debts were canceled, and when people celebrated a new start in life. Jubilee, forgiveness, freedom, and fullness of life. All that stuff that had accumulated to hold them back and hold them down, all those debts, captivity to sin, captivity to debt, it was canceled, it was wiped out. And that is what Jesus does for us when we come to him in faith. He proclaims a jubilee over us forever. He cancels our debts, he sets us free, and he gives us fullness of life, even life eternal as we trust in him. And that's why, that's, that's what awaits the Christian. That's what awaits the Christian at the trumpet call, jubilee, not judgment. For Christ has already taken our judgment on himself at the tree of Calvary. So just as I finish, today the trumpet is being sounded. It's a wake-up call from heaven. And God is asking us, each of us, to choose between judgment and jubilee. In Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians in chapter 4, Paul reminds us of that other trumpet that will one day sound. Paul writes this, he says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. You see, when that trumpet sounds on that great day, what will it announce for us? Will it be judgment or will it be jubilee? The choice is ours today. Judgment, destruction, desolation, and death, or jubilee, forgiveness, freedom, and fullness of life, eternal life. So that's kind of me on the last word on prayer. We see that the whole of Revelation is given to John during a time of prayer, that the whole of Revelation is given to him during a time of prayer. That underlines the importance of prayer. That through it, God draws near to us in in intimate communion, underlines the privilege of prayer. That the Lord hears and answers our prayers, underlines the power of prayer. And that either judgment or jubilee are brought about as God answers the prayers of his people, underlines the urgency of prayer. So shall we pray? Let us pray together. Father God, we thank you that you are present with us here this morning by your Holy Spirit and your living word. Help each of us to respond to you now as we should, as we move through a time of prayer, of silence, of communion, and of praise. Revelation tells us that John saw a great multitude that no one could count from every tribe and tongue and nation and language. They cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So Father, with them this morning, we too declare that salvation belongs to our God. 
and therefore salvation comes only from our God. And the cup of salvation is yours alone to offer. And so we acknowledge that the invitation to the table comes to us from you. And that all who trust in you, the one who sits on the throne and in the Lamb, are invited to sit at your table. But as we come, we acknowledge too that you are holy, 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 and we are not. We have sinned against you and against our neighbor in thought and word and deed. And so we take a moment to examine ourselves and to confess our sin before you in the silence. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your mercy and grace that forgives our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. You are worthy to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Worthy are you because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made us to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God. We give you our thanks and praise that by your death, resurrection, and ascension, you have declared a jubilee for all who trust in you. By your death, resurrection, and ascension, you have given us forgiveness, freedom, and fullness of life. We worship you, we praise you, we give you our thanks. We thank you for every gift and blessing that you daily shower upon us from your open hand of grace. We pray for the church for your people of Jubilee, and we pray for the world, for those who even now are still under your judgment. Father, we pray for justice for those who are persecuted, and we pray for Jubilee for all people. We pray for family, friends, and neighbors, and even those who are with us this morning who haven't yet turned to you in faith and received that forgiveness, that freedom, and that fullness of life that you offer. Father, may today be the day. So as we gather around your table, we ask that you would send down now your Holy Spirit to consecrate these gifts of bread and wine that they might be to us by faith, the body and blood of Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and gives us such great salvation, full and free. We pray for absent friends and for those who are not able to be joining with us in person this morning. We pray that they would be aware of our prayers and our love and your presence and your peace with them at this time. And we join our voices with the voices of all your people on earth and in heaven as we say together the prayer that Jesus taught his his disciples to pray. We say together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen.